This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right? Well, <clears throat> we're looking at Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Our Lord Jesus has come to Nazareth, and, and uh, he was rejected by his uh, friends and relatives on the basis of the fact that because they knew him so well, he had no right to be any different from them. And you'll run up against this in the crowd that you've been moving with. If you give your life to the Lord Jesus, you'll be different. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You'll be different. They'll resent that fact because you are different. You have to just keep on shining and trust your blessed Lord to see you through. You are, as Jesus said, the light of the world. Well, look at verse 5. It said, He could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He went round about the villages teaching. Sad that when he came to the place where they knew him the best... They responded to him the least. No mighty work. I have from time to time in past years been in places where there were pockets of revival, the Holy Spirit of God sovereignly moving in hearts. The saddest thing I think that I've ever experienced in that connection was to meet people who who didn't know what was going on. You'd ask them, well, have you been, have you been blessed by this time of revival? And they'd say, what revival? They didn't believe that God could do anything or that he was doing anything. And so they missed entirely the moving of the Spirit of God in their area. Now, this is what happened at Nazareth. Jesus, who is he? He's God in the flesh, the one who flung the stars out in space, the one who said, let there be light, the one who created our world, the one who created you and me and who keeps our breath in our bodies. He is before all things, and by him, says Paul, all things hold together. He's the power that holds the atoms together. It would be a simple matter. Now, this is actually, factually true, beloved. Listen, it would be a simple matter for Almighty God to destroy this entire universe or section of it simply by releasing the power that is built up in the atom. We know a little bit about it with our atomic and nuclear bombs and nuclear power. But we just scratched the surface. Jesus, our blessed Lord, is the one who created this universe and who operates it by the word of his power, upholding all things, it says, by the word of his power. That is the person who was walking the streets of Nazareth. And he said he couldn't do anything. Now, why? <clears throat> because God's power... The way he's created you and me, God's power is directly related to whether or not we receive him and believe him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, says the writer to the Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible. He could there do no mighty work. That's the word impossible. <clears throat> Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, you're not going to get anywhere. What is faith? It's the willingness to risk the situation on God. Now, that's a little cookism. I've never heard anybody else use it, not yet at least. Faith is the willingness to risk the situation on God and his word and his will. 
They didn't have it. They didn't accept him. They didn't believe him. They didn't think he had any right to be different from them. And so it resulted in tying the hands of the one who was walking their streets, God in the flesh. He says he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled. Has it ever occurred to you, beloved, that there are some things God just doesn't understand? Yeah, he says, I don't know why they won't believe me. He looks at you and me and he says, I loved you. I sought you. I paid the price for your sin on Calvary. And I, I've made everything ready for you to enter heaven as your home. My heart is open to you. And he says, I just can't understand why you won't receive me. The prophet was mourning, and he said, why will you die? He said, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He said, why do you choose to die? The Lord Jesus, looking at Jerusalem, cried out loud. It says he wept aloud. That means he wailed. A human wail is an awesome thing, betokening a broken heart. And it says, O Jerusalem, that's what he cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered your children as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but you would not. Now, he said, your house is left unto you desolate. You wouldn't come to me that you might have life. Why will you die? It's God's eternal question. That's something God will never understand, is why when he loves so much and gave so much and offers so much, people still want to go their own way. And so John is found saying, this is the condemnation. He came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the condemnation that men loved darkness rather than light. A missionary friend of mine went out full of high hopes. He was going to convert the world, you know, young man, full of fire and zeal and dedication. He got out there, began to preach around in the uh, in the large village where he was assigned. They hadn't heard the gospel before in any detail, and so they listened. And then one day the chief came to him and he said, we wish you would go away. Well, the missionary was absolutely devastated. He said, why? What have I done? Oh, he said, it's not anything you do. He said, if we believe in the message you're preaching, we're going to have to change our ways. And he said, we like it here. We like it the way we're doing it. We like our witchcraft, and we like our, our, our practices, and we like the things that you say are against the Word of God. And so we just wish you'd go away. That's happened many a time. It's happened to me as I've traveled the world. People refuse God's offer of salvation for whatever reason. Uh, talking with a Japanese student, you say, do you know that you need a Savior? Oh, yes. Do you know that you're a sinner? Yes. Do you know that Jesus loved you and died to save you? Yes. Are you willing to become a Christian? Oh, no. Why? Why, because if I become a Christian, my family will disown me. I'll lose my allowance that helps me go to university. I will not be able to finish my university education, and I just can't afford that. I can't become a Christian. I can't afford it. So he goes away sadly. Beloved, don't be in the position of making God, in a manner of speaking, making God shake his head and say, I don't understand. Said he marveled 
because of their unbelief. Will you today open your heart to your blessed Lord completely? I'm speaking to someone who's never trusted Christ as Savior. The Bible points out clearly the fact of your sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death. The penalty must be paid. By you, that is, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. But the good news is that Jesus already paid that penalty for you. Romans 5, 8 says, God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so salvation is a free gift. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. But in order to have a gift, you have to receive it. And that gift turns out to be a wonderful, lovely person, the Lord Jesus Christ. As many as received him, John says in his gospel, first chapter, verse 12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Don't make your Savior shake his head and marvel at your unbelief. Open your heart to him today. Ask him to come in and save you and make you a child of God, and he will. The Bible says, whosoever, that means you or me or anybody else, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it says he went round about the villages teaching. You turn your back on the Lord Jesus, he's going to minister to somebody else. God will get his will done one way or another. My old uh, seminary professor, Dr. Champion, used to say, God's will will be done either with you or without you, young person. Oh, how he would thunder that out. But God is going to have his will done. Yes, he is. And when they didn't receive him in his own town, it says he went on to someplace else. Oh, don't let God pass you by. This is your day of, of opportunity to trust God. This is your day of a chance to open your whole life to the power of God. This is your day to begin to live a life that is shining for your Savior. Don't pass it by. And don't forget to pray for people on the other side of the world. Dear Father, today, oh, may we be in the position of welcoming Thee, blessed Lord. Our Father, Son, Holy Spirit, may we welcome Thee into our lives for Thy power and Thy blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.